This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello, it's the Crystal Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio. Eagles! <laughs> You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and you can already hear the lads from back of the nest. It's Nick Gillard and DR Kernaz in the studio with me this evening, and we can open the show with some quite exciting news because the mighty Palace have been named the 46th best club in world football. That's according to 538's global soccer rankings. <laughs> uh, there are some big clubs above you, of course. Man City are top, which surprises me. This works on all kinds of yeah. different indexes. But 46th in the world, that's a pretty big football club. Yeah, I guess so. There's lots of teams... Um around the world so considering that Crystal Palace South London 46th that's actually yeah. really good we're um, sandwiched between Lazio and Wolfsburg that's not that's pretty illustrious company those are historical clubs you are however behind Krasnodar of Russia you're behind yeah, young boys who just beat you in a friendly which uh, um, which is good actually to see that they're above us so it will stop oh, all the haters you should have lost 2-0 yeah. yeah. <laughs> To a random team from Switzerland. Soloff has scored. Has he? In a friendly against Barnet, he scored in the third minute. Oh, wow. F- for Crystal Palace? Yes, or? that's just oh, yeah. undone all the um, all the iron. Um... Has he undone all of it, though, Nick? Because I think I could probably score in a friendly against Barnet. He was. <laughs> well, talk me through it. How much stick was Soloff getting for his performance against Young Boys in that friendly earlier in the week? Enough for me to mute his name on Twitter. Yeah. It was silly. So I got fed up and I muted his name for 24 hours. What kind <laughs> of things were people pe- saying? I, well, it, it, he's just saying that you can't kick a ball. And at times it was right because when it, I remember one moment where he tried to kick the ball and he kicked the floor and he fell. And yeah, it was it was quite worrying. That we have time. all done that. Yeah, we fair. have, but it's not. You don't want to do that when you're Serlov, especially what happened before you went out on loan. So. It was a bit worrying, but I really don't have high expectations for Serloff anyways. Here's uh, a quiz for you. Who's he scored his only sort of professional competitive goal for us against? Chelsea. Or was that disallowed? Chelsea, yeah, that was I think you're talking about the one at Stafford Bridge, yeah. That yeah. was No, someone else scored that. Was it Chelsea? No, it was Swansea in the League Cup. Was I there? It was away, I think. Yeah, I, f- I went. You there. went to Swansea, so, but I can't. I can't remember him scoring. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's Swansea. I can't remember. Well, if he's only ever done it once, I imagine he does. That's a pretty damning stat, regardless of who you score your goal against. If your only one in a competitive fixture comes in the League Cup, you're not living up to your billing. You're not living up to your price tag. Is it time for Palace to cut their losses? Who's gonna buy him? Exactly. It's easy it's easy to say get rid of him, but as Nick said, it's if you're not performing and considering that he's probably on decent wages, I haven't checked his wages actually, so I won't comment on that. But yeah, if you're not performing then who's going to go but who's going to be interested in him? 
and from what they've seen, he went. He played again. Uh, I don't. I don't know how he actually performed there, but I know he scored a couple of goals there. But at Palace, if you're looking at his performance at Palace, if I was a club, I wouldn't really be keen on him as well, unless he goes to a lower league club, which I doubt he will do. But yeah, it's, it is hard. Now, older Palace fans will remember a player in the early '80s that we had called Trevor Aylott, and he was probably the worst player that's, especially a forward that's ever played for Palace. I actually think Serloff is going to surpass him. That's that's how jolly bad he is. He's not even that young. He's 23. That's not a kid. I know, but you have to show glimpses. I don't know. You have to show glimpses of hope, and I haven't really seen much of Serloff. Well, he, when he came in, people were like, oh, wait, we might have someone special here, but it didn't quite work out like that. I know he played against some hard teams, such as Chelsea's, but even in games where... He had against lower league sides, against clubs that are on our level, he still didn't perform. There Pete, hasn't been any any signs of Serlov succeeding at Palace so far. When he signed, there was lots of hope. Uh, and I know of one person who had to wait a couple of days to get his Serlov shirt from the club shop because they didn't have any of them funny Danish shows. I don't know what the correct <laughs> word is. but they literally... no, I think funny Danish shows is actually what they call them in Denmark. Yeah. Oh, yeah very good. Danish. The O with the diagonal line for yeah. it, yeah. We've got funny yeah. letters in Turkish as well, but I don't know what they call it. Yeah. Mm. All right, okay. What was your point? <laughs> no, no, it's just that people were, pe- people were excited about it. Yeah, him. people were so excited that the club shop couldn't I f- meet demand. I think, I, think they were more excited, I think they were more excited about the fact that we brought in someone, considering you're looking at our strikers, there was no one really there. Ben Taker was out injured. So it was like, oh, we finally got a striker. And then when people actually saw him play, they were like, okay. But it was a strike at 9 million quid. It's not an insignificant amount of money. He had a goal record of one in two for Thailand the year before. Why wouldn't you have been excited? We didn't realise he'd peaked. Yeah, he's <laughs> peaked at age 23, yeah. So you, you're fully convinced that there is no development to come here. There is no improvement. There is no future. Well, if you actually look at the amount of games he's played, it isn't a lot. He hasn't had a proper season with us. 16 so, in the league for Palace? Yeah, that isn't a lot of games, if you think about it. It's quite like, a lot saw, without scoring. Yeah, but you saw, yeah, I know, but look at other Palace strikers. It's not only him. Batshuayi came in, but he already had Premier League experience. Serloff is coming in without no experience like that. And it's, and it's a massive step um, coming into the Premier League. So he's only played 16 games. And we saw with Max Meyer last season where he... All right, he played a he played a lot of games, but he wasn't consistently playing as well, and it took a bit of time for him to get used to it. So I don't know. You, there could be hope, I guess, if he plays consistently, but I doubt that's going to happen because from the games he has played, un, unlike Max, there hasn't he hasn't shown anything to convince the fans, and I'm sure Roy as well. Yeah, I mean Max played really really well second half, didn't he against yeah. uh, the young yeah, boys? Yeah, he changed the game. Max Meyer came on and he changed the game. Hopefully he's changed the game so much yeah, that exactly. he didn't that we score lost, any yeah. goals. But, but I we mean, didn't let any in either. True. Well, it's not even that. We at least took a shot. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> he changed the game. The fact that in the first half we were struggling to even take a shot. And when he came in, it was brilliant. And that's the type of performances you need. If Alexander Serleth wasn't six foot four, would Crystal Palace have signed him? Don't know. Really don't know. <laughs> that's a good question, but I never thought about his height like contributing to actually signing him well the thing that's made me think about his height is you were saying well listen and you're saying quite rightly if we do have to get rid of him who's gonna buy him i was thinking of the last example of a big scandinavian lump who signed up front for a premier league team and it didn't work andreas cornelius do you remember him who signed for cardiff city uh back in 2013 that was big big money we were talking about eight million which back then was more than it is now he was hopeless. He'd scored loads of goals for Copenhagen, 29 in 91 in the league there, uh, and 18 in 34 in his first spell. Eight appearances he managed for Cardiff, not a single goal. The only club they managed to flog him back to, straight back to Copenhagen. Is that what you're going to have to do with Serleth? Is he going back to Norway? Hopefully. Yeah, hope, yeah that's, a, that's the thing. It depends on what he wants as well. Um, nowadays, players have power. Um, you saw it with Reader World in January where Swansea were actually interested in him and he didn't go because he doesn't want to go to Swansea. So it's not as easy as, oh, Palace want to sell him and we can send him back because 
the player might not want to go back and he still has a contract at the club unless he buys it out then he's he has all the right to remain at the club and sometimes you don't really think about that the player power the, the amount of powers that players have nowadays is it's more than you think was he signed with that gentleman you uh, Cornelius was he signed by Sol- by the uh, Man United manager uh, that's a very good question and I think to be fair on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer he was signed by Malky Mackay off mm. the top of my head I'm right. pretty sure what was he doing on the top of your head? What was he doing on the top of my head? <laughs> a, a, a little jig. It's actually quite painful. All oh, right. Okay. Um, you you asked a question earlier. Does it put you off signing players that you've never heard of? Mm. Southampton seem to be able to pick up players I've never heard of. He did very very well, but, but then they probably had the they're, man. They're yeah, they they had the difference. manager. I mean, we got Luka Milivojevic, which. And, any, uh, when he joined, no one was really sure who he was, and he I'd, turned a success. I'd heard of him. He, he played for Olympiacos. He was their captain. He played in the Champions League. Oh, so before he joined us, when I heard he was joining us, oh, I yeah. I found out about him. Yeah, Bless like, you. Well, during when he came to Palace, m- majority of the fan base was like, "Okay, he's Luka Milivojevic. All right, he he does play for Olympiacos, but no one really knew him and watched him like that. So we've had a success there, I guess. And then you look at Serloff, which unsuccessful yak unsuccessful uh what other foreign signings have we had that's successful Rita Wild. Uh, i don't i wouldn't personally i think that is successful in terms of there's a player there but he's not playing so is that does that count as successful I don't. Yeah, he was, again he was all right at the weekend i thought yeah Nothing. but roy is not going to get i i think it's over i'm still surprised every time we talk about Rita Wild, i'm so surprised that he's at the club Mm. But, I don't, but you'd think with Roy working all across the continent, winning titles in various countries and, and knowing knowing lots of people with speaking six different languages, we'd think we'd have a pretty good net of agents or people that he could call on. But working across the continent, Roy got himself a reputation for having got a bad eye for a transfer. He'll forever be remembered at Inter Milan as the bloke who actively shoved Roberto Carlos out the door because he said he was never going to be good enough. <laughs> Which, obviously, hindsight yeah. is twenty twenty. but Roy, yeah. possibly not your best move. Yeah, um, well, you think about Kane taking corners as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was, there I've was... forgotten about that. You've just ruined my <laughs> evening. <laughs> I mean, he, I understand that, but we've got Dougie there, haven't we? I know we're going to talk about him later, but he's more in charge of the transfers. So mm. we've got a man there. I'm going to rephrase my question that Nick answered very well there. It's not just about signing players you haven't heard of. It's about signing players from places, from clubs you haven't heard of. Because you use the Southampton example, which is spot on. They're signing some really top players who perhaps we didn't know. But I mean, think about Lamina who turned up and was great in their midfield. Yep. Gabon International, lots of people hadn't heard of him. Where did he sign from? Juventus. Similarly, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg in midfield, lots of people hadn't heard of him. Where did he sign from? Bayern Munich. Cedric Suarez, who was he? Where did he sign from? Sporting Lisbon. Maybe it's not about the names of the players, but it's about the pedigree of side you're picking them up from. Perhaps. I mean, yeah, I... If they're fringe players at their club and they want to get a get more runouts, then maybe that is the way to go. Go for go for fringe players at teams. Even look at the managers; they've they've had success there. Um, I feel like it's just their scouting network um, that's just better than us for some reason because they've they've managed to land in more players, more successful players that's Premier League worthy um, than we have. And you look at some of them players; they are some quality players. And the managers like Pochettino. Um, yeah. they've had some very good successful um, business coming from abroad and I feel like that's more dependent on their scouting network whereas if you, look, if you compare it to our one it doesn't look that great what we don't want though it's been very very quiet in the transfer window we've had one player in haven't we Henderson the goalkeeper yeah. third choice we'll talk about that in a bit nobody else has come in um, people are starting to get worried. I think the biggest worry is that we get so close to the transfer window that we just buy anybody to be seen that we're buying people. But I also know that um, Roy doesn't actually get to get much input in what players he wants. He just tells Dougie and the people upstairs what type of player he wants yeah, but to fill in a position and then it's down to them. So there's there's less of a role for the manager in picking players. At our club, it seems. 
Yeah, I'll, in terms of bringing in players, I'm not really hopeful. It's just weird. I'm I'm not hopeful, but I'm prepared for it because it's just been it's been too quiet for my liking. I know we've we've been rumored with players, but there hasn't been any signif- significant movement so far. So I'm a bit worried in that aspect, but I'm just prepared for it. I'm prepared for the worst. Well, talking preparing for the worst, is there another worry in leaving it late that if you don't do any business until towards the back end of the window and suddenly Arsenal do poach Wilfred Zaha, you're then in a really sticky situation, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, but I don't think <laughs> we are. But I, I doubt we sell. We sell as I've said. I doubt we sell Zaha um, on deadline day or something like that. If Arsenal were, go- were going to buy Zaha, at I said two to three weeks, but now at least a week before the deadline, the actual window closes because it would just be criminal to sell Zaha and go into the season without any proper replacement. Indeed, completely agree there. Well, we've got to hope. We hope he stays. It's sounding like he will. Yeah. You're always very optimistic uh, and we can look forward to a great season. We can also look forward to a great interview here on the show because we know that Palace are a club very, very involved in the community in Croydon. And it's a delight to say we're going to be welcoming Inspector Jack Rowland onto the show in just a moment's time. He's a man who does fantastic work helping young kids in the area stay on the right path. And we'll be hearing from him in just a moment. This is Love Sport. Crystal Palace are a club who do great things on the pitch and a club who do great things off it as well. It's a pleasure to say we're joined on the line by Inspector Jack Rowlands, who works with the charity Divert to keep kids on the right track in the Croydon area. Good evening, Jack. Thanks for joining us. Tell us a bit about all the fantastic work you do. No worries at all. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate coming on and... um... Yeah, so I set Divert up in, in 2015. We started at Brixton um, basically to start speaking with young adults that come into uh, police custody and uh, get them away from their lifestyle um, into employment, education and training. So the way we've sort of developed it over the last sort of few years is we got a bit of funding from the Home Office and started working at Croydon uh, with Palace for Life. So being a massive Palace fan myself, I was uh, really happy about that. And uh, we've got um, Aaron, uh, who works for Palace for Life, based directly in Croydon Police Custody, speaking to young adults, listening to what's going on in their lives and um, looking to get them away from the lifestyle of crime into employment, education, training. And being so close to Sellers Park, it's, it's about using that moment, teachable moment in police custody and start transforming uh, these people's expectations and aspirations um, it's a real pleasure to have them in there it's great as a first <laughs> step jack how important <clears throat> is it to just listen to these guys massively because even though some of them may have been arrested for quite a serious offense um, they, the stories that they they tell you about what's going on in their lives so for instance, they may have witnessed um, a friend or relative being stabbed. Um, they may have had some trauma and some um, adversity in their childhood. Um, there may well be the fact that actually what's going on in their lives right now is, is, is such that um, things are spiralling out of control and they feel they're losing direction. And I think that you know you wouldn't expect to have those sort of conversations in police custody, but what, what that does, it gives people that platform to express themselves and to get it out of their system so that you've got people like Aaron who can 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 listen and think right actually <clears throat> you've said to me you're interested in retail you're interested in construction you're interested in football coaching what can I do now what can I do to use this time more constructively to get you away from these these dangers these this lifestyle so that you can effectively transform your life and and bring you into more of a family, more of a environment where there are people around you that are going to help you and, and effectively care for you. So really important, really important. Hello, <clears throat> Hello Jack, Nick here. Um, glad, Hi, glad Nick, we got to, right. Yeah, glad we got to speak at long last. We've been tweeting <laughs> yeah, for weeks. Yeah, no, really good. Um, how much money do you think it saves them by, by getting kids out of that cycle that they're in compared to maybe going through prison or whatever? I mean, it must save a fortune, mustn't it? It... it it does, and we're just we're just being evaluated at the moment. So we're hoping to sort of uh, lift that sort of financial side of it um, more. But if you think that even police custody time, so if you think that it costs the taxpayer around 
a thousand pounds over 13 hour um, stay for someone to be in custody for 13 hours. Wow. So, um, 13 th- hours? Yeah, 13 a hours. A thousand pounds? A thousand pounds, that's right, because you look, you're looking at all the elements around healthcare, people, the detention time, the booking in time, and, and, and just alone on that, you know, if you can get people to stop coming back into custody, there's obviously a saving there. But as you said, Nick, the broader question is, is twofold. First of all, the fact that if we prevent this young person from um, committing more of a serious offence, a violent offence, um, that there's massive savings in there. It costs around um, the twenty-five to thirty thousand pounds to investigate a serious assault, and you're looking at even three to three and a half million pounds all in to investigate um, the society cost of a murder. Um, but in, in detention in, in prison, you're still looking at around fifty to sixty thousand pounds a year. So, for me, that there's the cost and the saving, but then there's the investment. Because if you get young people that come into police custody, into employment, that start paying 20% tax, you then can start talking about the actual um, contribution they're making. And I'm almost confident that as we expand across London even more, we expand beyond six sites, Divert will actually almost pay for itself. um, Because I think that... um, you know, I'm confident that over the next few years we'll be getting people that'll be starting up their own businesses, having been in custody five or six years ago. It, it's really exciting. And, 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 and the thing for me is having football at the heart of it and having a club like Palace um, in the centre of Croydon, in the centre of Croydon Police Custody. For me, it's a great conduit to get those young people um, away uh, from, from that lifestyle, for sure. And, and swinging us over to Palace, what, in what way are they involved then? Say you get a, a young a young chap or a young lady uh, yeah. says that they'd like to do, I don't know, sports psychology or sure. or, or physiotherapy or even just want to want to learn to be a ref or anything like that. What, how, yeah. how does the club get involved? Well, the, the great thing about Palace for Life, and, and recently I've been made an ambassador of, of the charity um, to talk about what they do and, and, and advocate for, for the foundation, is they don't just connect people into read, um, football and um, opportunities in football. They're a massive local gateway into everyday employment, whether it's retail, into, into like the Whitgift Centre, whether it's local construction opportunities. They, they're a really good local pathway into a, a variety of path, a variety of opportunities. But obviously, what we find is we get a lot of young people that have come through academy football, that have, their lives have suddenly gone down sort of the, the, the wrong step. We can then reconnect them to the love of football, you know, whether it's playing at a lower level or, or as you say, getting involved in some form of coaching. But at the same time, bolt on extra sort of provision around employment into retail construction so that you know um that 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 sort of um impetus can be can be built on so that um uh, palace for life for instance you know when when if we get the um westfields center in in croydon for instance there'll be lots of provision for opportunities there that palace for life will will tap into but we also work with um, and I'm, 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 I'm happy to say this, we work with Millwall Community Trust in Lewisham and we work with um, other coaches uh, across other sites and they all share and interconnect all the London-wide provision as well. So um, some, sometimes we get people working in the city and other parts of London uh, to sort of join that wider network out. And as we hope to expand, we want to work with more foundations, football foundations, so that each local area in London is represented um, by a coach working in police custody, um, working for that respective foundation, for sure. Jack, it sounds like you're doing amazing work to help get these young people back on the rails. But how hard is it for you to do that? Do you find that mm-hmm. when you approach potential employers or educational <clears throat> establishments that these guys face judgment because they have been in police custody in the past? Yeah, I think I think there's there's always something to turn uh, that into into sort of a positive. What I mean by that is, when people come into police custody, they're arrested on suspicion of an offence, so they're not necessarily offenders. And I, I get away from that word when 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 I describe the people that come through the programme. What I say to employers and organisations is, I say, look, these are young people that 
have done something that's that's probably not the right thing. They've done something stupid. They've made a bad choice. And, and a copper has arrested them for the right reasons. Now, I, I always say, you know, I, I put myself in the position of a as a 19-year-old, as we were all 19-year-olds once. And I'm sure that we've done stuff that's stupid that we didn't get caught for. And if we had, we, we would have most likely been arrested. But it doesn't make us bad people. We, we are young adults then making poor informed decisions and what i also say to employees and organizations is there may well be something that this young person gives you that 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 no one else through your your current recruitment stream is and and that actually a lot of young people we deal with okay uh, are doing the wrong things but actually they've got the right skills and i think it's about influencing and changing the way organizations see young people that have come through uh, not just police custody, but through criminal justice in 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 you know in in general. I suppose the, <clears throat> the thing is is to get them before they commit any crimes, though, isn't it? Which is is infinitely more difficult, I'd imagine, isn't it? it exactly. It's it's, and I think you know the reason why I've, I've used police custody was was I, I I used to run some jobs fairs in Stockwell, and they worked really well. But as you said, the hard thing about that was getting young people on my radar to that event. And um, the whole idea of that divert was basically I was having a brew in custody and I just realised I don't need to invite anyone to anything because in the last spot they're already here, you know. And, and, and I just thought, you know, and, and I'll share an anecdote with you, but um, a gang member out, out in Stockwell once said, said to me, stop harassing me with your opportunities. And um, what he didn't realise... Stop offering about me that, a cup of tea. Yeah, stop trying to get me a job, basically. And what you realize, what I realized that actually became a bit of a mantra around, you know, if, if someone wants to change direction of their life, let's throw everything at them to help to help them do that. But I think, you know, for me, what I'd like to do going forward is is create more of that that space outside of custody, so that when officers come into contact with young people that that want that help, that want that new direction, whether they're victims of crime, whether they're people that are stopped, whether they're people that are vulnerable, how we can we can um, get people referred into uh, local organisations directly. So I've got a plan around that, which which I'm sure will develop over time. But I think that you're right. It's it's the, the, the art of diversion and the benefits of diversion are such that if you do it right, you really will um, change someone's direction and get them away from, from those negative influences for sure. Hi, Jack. Um, just regarding the actual community and the police force, are you actually happy with uh, where you're at right now or do you think there's still room for improvement in terms of uh, relationship between the two? Between communities and police, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think I, 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 was, I was in, uh, funny enough, I was in Parliament today talking about stop and search, talking about diversion. My... I think we're we're getting there. I think we're starting to show signs of of, of how we can work closer. We're, we're always going to have um, have to have honest conversations around um, what's going on in the street. We're always going to be accountable with 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 the community. I think that for me, we're there's always opportunities. There's always ways we can collaborate more. I think that. Um, you know, the people I work with locally, the organisations I work with, I work with Uvenus in Brixton, I work with some really good organisations that are plugged into the community who want things like Divert, who see the value in, in things like Divert. And, and I think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to take it some innovation to help turn that ship. But I think, you know, largely, you know, the police, you know, though we do a really hard job out there and, and we do have the broad support of, of the community in general, but there are uh, areas that we need to work on and build confidence in, in certain areas of the community to, to show that what we are trying to do is, is trying to get a grip of what's going on in the streets at the moment. And um, we've got a lot of really good, hard-working cops out there trying to do their very best. But um, small steps, just got to keep taking those small steps to build that trust and confidence for sure. Jack, you're doing fantastic work. Thank you for everything you do, both with the police and with Divert. Really, really encouraging to hear about it. And also the fact that Crystal Palace are being so involved as well. Inspector Jack Rowlands there talking about the wonderful work that Divert are doing to get young offenders back on the right track and really heartening that Palace can be a part of it. Good things on the pitch as well, gents. And coming up, it's time for our Legend of the Week. This is Love Sport. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gents, who are you going for this week? Picture the scene. I can't remember what season it was. We were very, very nearly in League One. We had to win at Stockport away. And uh, this man... Stepped up and scored right near the death, didn't he? Uh, didn't he, dear? Nearly yeah. gave his name away there. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let the listeners take a guess. Just five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Is it Alan Lee? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's Doug Friedman. Um, where do you start with Dougie? It's been eventful, hasn't it? He's at the club right now. He's done um, almost every job. He's just yeah. got tea lady <laughs> left to tick off and then he'll have done the work. Yes, he's at the club. Um handling things behind the scenes then there's always that suggestion that oh Parrish will give him the first team um, role as a coach as a manager it hasn't happened yet but it has been eventful his time at Palace as as a player and as a manager well we'll start as a player he was top notch wasn't he yeah he's there there's not many forwards that could be ahead of him really and I'm about to name about seven (laughs) (laughs) he's a goal scorer but he's Palace through and through, and um, he was just a smart player, and he was well liked, wasn't he? Yeah, he knew he knew the club inside out, and he fit in well. Really, I think it was it was a matter of that. And I just when you think about Dougie right now, people some people are going to be annoyed because I know that James he last when we was meant to do this last week we didn't do it, but he was actually he was like, don't start me and Dougie because. I'm not happy with him. So there are people that don't like Dougie. Why is he not happy with him? I think... Uh, the I, whole Bolton the, thing. Yeah, the Bolton thing when he left Palace for Bolton. So there are people that don't actually see him, don't like him at all. Um, and yeah, it's, it is confusing. I don't know what you think about the Bolton situation, Nick. But It was a weird one, wasn't it? It was just, he was offered more money, promised loads and loads, and he kind of went. Um, it was all a bit sudden as well wasn't it yeah I mean that was when Bolton were were they in the Premier League then I can't no, remember when no, they were champ- just... I think they were, in the, they were in the Championship as well yeah yeah but it's just the fact that not everyone you know it's not every decision you make is going to be right and it's just one of them ones where it was costly and he regrets it as well he has said it I think he said it on our podcast um, when we were Home Cell Radio when he spoke to us he has regrets for it and it's just one of them things where you can't really hold a grudge, um, can you? Well, some people are. Me, me personally, I understand the decision that he took and why he did. So, When Palace first appointed him as manager, that was his first job in senior management. Was that a sentimental appointment? I think it might have been. I think it might have been. We were a bit... Um, we had... Um, it was when Parish and CPFC 2010 had, ju- had taken over. And I don't think they knew who else to go for, really. They wanted somebody who knew the club really well. I mean, he played for us under two in two spells, 95 to 97 hmm. and 2000 to 2008. Yeah. I mean, we got him off Barnet and he'd scored 27 in 47 for Barnet, which is a good return. And literally one in three in his first first period with us. And he played 237 times, scored 64 goals. In his second period. Um, yeah, if you're, yeah. yeah, if you're actually thinking about when he was appointed, it makes kind of sense because, as you said, he understands the club. And during the hard times, you would want someone to come in who knows the club inside out from his playing days and builds a, he, he's the type of person that could build a chemistry with the players. And uh, Yeah, and managerial-wise, he had a very good ethos of the players he brought in 
Melee Jedinak being one of them. Jedinak being one of them. Yeah. Um, he wanted every player to be a leader. Mm. He wanted every player to, to kind of G everybody up and know what everybody else should be doing. And he, he, he said in his interview with us that mm. he wanted a team of leaders, not just one or two. And I think that's why he had a bit of experience as you know when he was a manager bringing in players and that's why I think he's at the role he is at right now with the sporting director because the club clearly trusts him with um, transfers and that side of business that said do you think the club are missing leaders now I think a little bit it's hard though in modern football who you, you look at clubs like even United um, who's their leader for instance like the, the, I f- in mod- I feel like it's just changed there aren't any real leaders like back in the day where you look at your captain you're like oh he's the leader no it's just you just got mm, lost you don't think the same with Luca well being the captain I guess yeah you could say Luca um, there's been times where he has protected Zaha but yep. when you look at other clubs there, when I when I think about the top six and even non-top six clubs there isn't any player that pops into my head is like, oh, yeah, he's a leader for that team. I feel like them days are kind of done. It's more about technical base rather than leadership. Yeah. How often do you think it works to bring in a club legend in a managerial role, a directorial role? Chelsea have obviously just done it with Lampard. Do you think Friedman is a good example? Is he a cautionary tale? No, I don't think he is. It's only the fact that he was... um, What's the word? The money was waved at him from Bolton, and he thought, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some of this." But he, he, and it's an old cliche, but he based his his team on not letting any goals in, and then sort of moved forward to scoring more. We started off quite slowly under him, but we were damn good when he left, in the lead up to when he left. And I always remember we played Blackburn on the game that um, Ian Holloway was introduced to the fans. And we did play like Barcelona with Dougie's team and no real proper manager. It was Lionel, it was, if you're listening. <laughs> no, seriously, we were it was one of the best games I think I've seen us play. We just tore Blackburn apart and that was before they went on their big slippery slide. Um but we just bossed everywhere on the pitch, didn't we? Yeah, but I just got a quick update regarding the Barnet game. Um we conceded two goals in two minutes and it's two two. <laughs> and Alex on the solo scored two no, own goals. Apparently he's dire. Apparently he can't play. So someone but had he's to get... Hang on a minute. Hang yeah. on a minute. Hang on a minute. We've we've kicked Alexander a lot tonight, so we need to be fair. Give credit where it's due. <laughs> if you're a striker and you score three minutes in and you then have a stinker, you scored a goal. You did your job, surely. No, but you have to. Be... That, oh, you can't I, say I, that. I, I, I see both sides of this argument. You have to because perform. You have Gary to perform Lineker would do nothing for 90 minutes. He'd score a goal and we'd all get that. Gary okay. Lineker, he's but good. But if you win the game, if you win the game, fair enough. But if you don't win the game... Why Why is that his fault? The defender should... He did his job. He scored a goal. He put you 1-0 up and the defenders are rubbish. Why well, are you blaming Alex? Well, I, well, I'm not watching the game right now, but <laughs> might, he might contribute to that. He might be giving away the ball and just oh, being so sloppy. Striker. Oh, you never know. <laughs> he might be playing the midfield, oh, running Alex, if you're listening, it's, it's game over, mate. <laughs> Go back to Scandinavia. They're not having you. Yeah, but we can see the two goals in two minutes. It's such a palace thing to happen then. Yeah. It's funny that we're playing Barnet because that's who yeah, we brought Dougie Dougie from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But where, where were we at before you rudely interrupted us with that bad news? Uh, oh, it's, it's summer. We're, we're, not, we're not really in the groove, are we? Um, yeah, uh, he was a good manager and it was sickening that he went and he, in the interview with us, which you can still find online in the um, whole radio archives, there's a name from the past, yeah. um, which are via the back of the nest.com site, which if you haven't looked at yet, I implore you to do because it's brilliant. Um, yeah, I forgot my point now. It is summer, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, he did say that he massively regretted going. And it was the worst decision he ever made. What do you think Whether that was because he got no transfer money at all from Bolton. Yeah, I was and... about to say, if he'd <laughs> stayed there on the big money contract and Bolton weren't now about to disappear into the ether, would he feel slightly differently about the move? He wouldn't regret it if no. he was manager and they were in the Premier League. Well, yeah, I guess so. But I'm just thinking about right now as well. What do you think about his role right now? Of course, we don't know exactly what he's doing, I but don't... he's involved <laughs> in the transfers, isn't he? And... I don't actually know what he does. He's a sporting director. Yeah, but what does a sporting director actually do? Depends on the club, but genuinely, 
they look at transfer. They're involved with transfers and that side of things. So Roy says, I need a left back who can, who can, or I need a right back that's good at going forward but also good at tackling. Get me one of those, In and it theory. goes to Dougie, and Dougie gets the eight, gets the scouts. In about. theory, that might be the case, or it might work out another way. But let's say, let's say he's involved with transfers. Let's say he's involved with transfers. I've, what do you think about him so far in his new role? Well, he's happy? obviously sitting there at his desk with his trotters up to, to, <laughs> to coin a phrase. That, um, yeah, but... Who used that phrase? That was who said with your trotters up. Oh, I'm not I was sure. that bloke from EastEnders. Um, he's talking about David Cameron. Um, I don't know because if everything's behind <laughs> oh, the yes, scenes. No, you mean Danny Dyer. Danny Dyer. That David was it. Cameron. Yeah, he was saying. Yeah, he was talking about David Cameron. Oh, it was okay, a pink okay. joke, I believe, which we won't go into, as it were, oh. for obvious reasons. Oh, okay. So yeah, we don't we we don't know. I mean, people are saying, "Oh, we haven't bought anybody. Let's panic. Let's panic. Let's panic." But um, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm. But I just it's weird because nowadays you still see people blaming Parish, whereas there is another man there that is involved, and it, it seems like no one really thinks about it. Well, it's very interesting that you should talk about Palace fans blaming Parish because we've seen serious protest at certain clubs' owners this week. Arsenal fans have started a campaign. They've started a hashtag, hashtag WeCareDoYou, directed at owner Stan Kroenke. Their petition is up to 92,000 signatures. They sent an open letter to the board saying, listen, we're not happy with this. We're not asking for Kroenke out, by the way. What we're asking for is Kroenke change. You need to start turning up to games. You need to start putting money into the club. You need to show us you care. The Kroenkes, to their credit, have responded today. And what they've basically said is, sorry, lads, we're rubbish now and we can't compete for any trophies. With that in mind, should Palace be fairly happy with who they've got in charge? Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. It's the Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Hashtag we care do you. That's the message to the Cronky family from Arsenal fans. They've issued a letter demanding more, essentially, from the owners, demanding more commitment, more investment, more progress and to the Cronkies' credit, Josh Cronky, the son of owner Stan, has responded to the statement. In quite surprising style, he's admitted that the club can't compete for what he sees as top trophies. And he said, my dad's really upset about this. So they are taking it seriously. But what we've got here is a supposedly elite club who in the last 15 years have been in the Champions League final going, yeah, well, to be honest, lads, we're not going to put any money in because we're not going to win anything anyway. When you see owners of Premier League clubs being so pessimistic, do you think that actually... Palace fans should feel pretty chuffed with Steve Parrish. Well, it's not only Steve Parrish running the club. Um, there's the American owners as well. Uh, I, Josh. I, again, I'm a bit sketchy on the details, but somebody told me that the American owners are looking to sell their shares yeah, um, yeah. in little bits. Little bits? Yeah, so you might have 500 people owning the shares that in the club that the Americans owned. So oh, they, they, you want, oh, they want it, okay. They're kind of Bitcoining their ownership. <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, of course, we haven't seen anything from them so far, really. We'll promise the new stadium, which it is in, in plans, and there's a minor issue with the, the transport. Yeah. Uh, but training ground, I'm not too sure about. I think something's happened there. Yeah, well, we, we bought a land, yeah. We bought Gambardos what, yeah. and the goals over in Copa's Cope. Yeah, so they own uh, the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA. Um, it's not only Crystal Palace. How are they doing? Uh, they had a eventful season last season. Um, they didn't do too well, probably below. They should. They're probably expected to do a bit better. Uh, they own a hockey team, which the name uh, just flew out of my head right now. But they're not actually... It, they don't seem to be involved in the day-to-day running. I know they've got got Parrish as the the chairman, and he, he's running the day-to-day things. But yeah, you you want them involved a bit yeah. more. You 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 hardly see them at Sellhurst. I mean, Pat, Patrick met one of them at the football factory in New York that show games live. So quite a Palace following. Get out this uh, bar in New York and watch one of our home games. But it's hard. It's you. It's like with Stone 
uh, Kroenke, of course you want to see him at more Arsenal games, but if you actually look at the amount of clubs he owns in America, it, they're still his businesses. And at the end of the day, he's probably caring more about his money because he does, he, it's shown that he doesn't have a personal feeling towards Arsenal. And so you won't see him there. But with um, Harris and um, yeah, Joshua and David, yeah. uh, we, last time I, I think they were at a game, well, I think they came after, but last game that I remember was the Burnley game after before Frank De Boer got sacked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's hard. But I, on TV, when I do watch basketball, I do see them uh, for seven sixes. They're there pretty much every time. But it makes sense because they own the New Jersey uh, Devils as well, which is in the same area. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it is hard. It's not easy to go and come back. But your the, the word in your sort of. <laughs> there that you used was business and that's the problem with football in the modern age is that is the business i think yeah it's, you care um, about... gone are the days where the local carpet emporium owner carpet. Um, <laughs> yeah ran the club or a local businessman ran the club and tried to have the best best interest well steve, so, steve parish is still palace owner but it's still as i've said i guess you still care about your own money uh rather than the club because it as much as you love the club, if you if you focus on the club rather than yourself, then you could be out in no time if you don't look at yourself. So that's a thing to consider as well. Here's one. If someone offered you a sugar daddy, <laughs> and that sugar daddy didn't care at all about the club, but was a very, very wealthy man or woman, would you take that? If they didn't get... But did they invest? They'll put money in. They have no actual interest in the football club. They've got no passion for the club, but they'll give you a big transfer budget every year. Yes. Because if that's going <laughs> yeah. to they're gonna be silent partners. I, I, I would love it. They could hate us, but if they give us the money, then I don't care. Your owners fact. are never going to turn up, and if they get bored, they could just drop you. If well, that's the, I don't care about them not turning up. I, as long as Does they give the money. Does that not bother you at all? Not really. I, if they give the money... There, that's all I care about <laughs> as a fan. You're fickle, <laughs> dear. No, I'm, I'm, I'm think, that's how it is. Like, imagine right now if you had like a transfer budget of like 50 million, like I'll be happy, but that's, that's what I care about. Got. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Literally. I'll be happy. I don't re- as much as I like it, I don't really care about oh, if they come to games or not because they're still business people and they've got other things to do. As long as they invest, that, that shows that you're caring, even though you're saying that they don't care. But that's enough for me. But then with Mr. Uncle Ron Nodes, who people have a love-hate relationship with, I mean, he, he saw us through our best ever period. You used to see him in the uh, bars around the ground before the game. This was before you were born Exactly. Here. And he used to interact with the fans. Yeah, but um, Steve Parrish still interacts, doesn't he? Yeah, he's been Even a bit... Even though down, yeah, a bit lately. A bit now, but... Oh, well, I guess, I guess it makes sense. Uh, from I'm looking at it from his perspective. I, I kind of do understand it because it's like... You go on, and whatever you try to do, there's always people criticizing you. So it, there's only he's only human, and he's not going to yeah. win clearly. But you, you're talking about the sugar daddy giving us loads of money. It's who you've got spending it. Who's who's actually going to be doing the day to day? Roy running. Hudson. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm worried. Roy Hudson probably spend forty million on Andy Carroll. Something like that. <laughs> no, he, he'd right the wrongs of the late nineties and go and sign Roberto Carlos yeah. as a fifty-two-year-old. Fifty-two-year-old on three hundred k. I think he's in his forties. He could probably do a job. Oh, yeah, a left yeah, back, maybe. banana. Yeah, maybe for that. <laughs> We'd have to get rid of the black away kit though and go for the yellow one again, so he feels at home in a Brazilian. Nah, I love the black away kit. I, I hate it. Do oh, you? I because hate I don't what? like it either. And the what? whole of Twitter is going, "Oh, look at Palace's new away kit." I love, it. Oh, I love I think it. It's grim. I love it. It's too. Sh- where the shimmery bit? It looks like you're being beamed up in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Beam me up. What is horrible, no, horrible No, no, I think it's one of our best away kits. I don't like black kits anyway, apart from the evil sash, but that was more of a leisure wear rather than on the pitch. Did leisure we stop? wear. We Did had we Crystal stop? Palace <laughs> leisure <laughs> wear. Lord of <laughs> Yeah. We had a black kit a couple of seasons ago, away kit, but that was not nice. This is nice. No, this they actually... stopped wearing that kit because the players found it difficult to find each other on the pitch. Alex Ferguson excuse. What is that? But if we the floodlights weren't Flood, working. Exactly. When how we didn't have floodlights, I said a spark. How many teams play in a black kit? I, I thought well, you're asking me quite, how, how would that? Quite a lot of elite teams have had black away kits over the year. United have, Real Madrid have. City did. Chelsea did. It's not uncommon. 
And yeah. it's a nice kit. No though. one has black like as a home it. kit, or very few sides do. I, I like it. I think the majority of the fan base does as well. I'm surprised you two. Yeah, don't. I mean a minority. It's just the fact that the refs don't wear black anymore and wear green and cyan and other yeah, puce colours. That they, they stand out. <laughs> you don't want them to wear black. Yeah, but you can't chant who's the what's in the black then, can you? No, but you just change it to cyan. It doesn't quite have the same (laughs) ring to it. And then you you have half the fans go, what's cyan? Yeah, (laughs) who's the something in the turquoise? Yeah. Yeah, oh dear. Um, So yeah, I'd have a sugar daddy. I don't know about the team, though. In in football or in life? (laughs) (laughs) We're losing three. (laughs) We bought it a 2-0. And it wasn't Soloff. They've changed it. David Boateng. Even Soloff didn't even score. Right, okay. In which case, Alex, I'm sorry, mate, you're in trouble. I did my best, but even I can't defend you here. What? Does this scoreline worry you? It's Crystal Palace 2, Barnet 3. Can we take the result of a pre-season friendly remotely seriously, or is it all about fitness? They've done the Crystal Ball on us. They've scored three goals in seven minutes, and... All right. I'm just going to ignore the scoreline for now. Um, in terms of your question, it doesn't really bother me because I'm not watching the game. I'm not really thinking about it. But I know when I go on Twitter right now, people are going to be losing their heads because it's a 2-0 lead against Barnet, which we lost in seven football minutes. But we, have, we haven't got... Our, we've got half of our squad. I mean, you've got Kuwati. Yeah, you got I've got, got to mention Kuwati. Good luck in the final for Senegal, mate. Yeah, I hope Friday. You, hope you do it. Is it Friday? Yeah. I'll be watching a bit of that. Um... So, yeah, and Wilf is still on holiday. He's, yeah, he's back. I is still on holiday. Buying houses in North London, I've heard, Wilf. Oh, no, nah, nah. He won't nah. do that, would he? <laughs> he won't do that. I've, I've tried for the nibble. Yeah. God loves a try. Well, you'll have to join us next week. Wilf won't have bought a house, but it could be the case that Crystal Palace have got an international champion. Join us then. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.